0: start this party <laughs> hello and welcome to the verge cast the flagship podcast of the verge.com the show is doing great lately i want you to know this you the listeners mm-hmm. have multiplied a number quite significantly take a minute before we begin the show and ask yourself why <laughs> why have <do> you keep <laughs> a whole
1: this? minute though 60 take a whole <laughs> minute we're just gonna
0: count one no, anyway, whatever. It's the Vergecast. I'm Neil Patel. Paul Miller's here. Hello. Dieter Bone is here. Howdy. Uh, we're gonna talk about technology. I don't know what that was. We're gonna talk about culture. I gotta say, last week we very explicitly avoided politics and policy, mm-hmm. but it's been a whole week of President-elect Donald J. Trump, and it's gonna be a little bit unavoidable. Jumping in the deep end. Just going for it. Uh, There's a lot to talk about, though. But I think we should start at the start. I think it's been the biggest news of the week since the election. We're going to come at it a couple different ways, but we should start with it. It's Facebook and fake news is one of the dominant tech stories to come out of the election and if you haven't been looking for it, because it's, it's not a story that has like great appeal to a wide number of readers, but it, I think it's a story that's tremendously important. So obviously, as you know, Facebook is the biggest media distribution system on the internet. Um, you might not think of it that way, but it's true. Most media companies rely on Facebook to distribute their content, to get page views. There are entire brands that their
1: entire strategy is based on Facebook. Facebook uh, actually pays money to some media brands to Facebook pay the, for they, they Facebook Live videos. So if you watch
0: Facebook Live, our parent company, Vox Media, has a deal by which Facebook pays Vox Media to produce some amount of Facebook Lives every month. Uh, we obviously run Circuit Breaker. Paul runs Circuit Breaker with Ashley and Micah. When we developed it, it has a Facebook distribution first strategy. Mm-hmm. We obviously get traffic from all kinds of other places. It's so a Facebook. Of, a lot of Facebook. A lot of Facebook. Facebook is a enormously important Tech and media company. Facebook thinks of itself as a tech company without the obligations and responsibilities of a media company. So Mark Zuckerberg is out there in the world saying, We're not a media company, we're a tech company. And one thing that's true that's happening right now is that a lot of fake news that was related to the election, that is directly referential to the election, and we have no way of knowing. What it feels like may have influenced many voters is being distributed on Facebook. So what the most famous example is there's a fake story about the Pope endorsing Donald Trump, which has like a million shares on it. And that got spread on Facebook and Facebook has no great tools to take it down or block it. It is complicated. Or Uh, do
1: they have the tools?
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, Facebook has the tools to literally create virtual realities, right? They have, they have the tools to, to wrap your brain in a simulation of another world but
2: here we are
1: disclosure i disclosed the 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 vox media thing i also got to disclose that my wife works for oculus which is a division of facebook sure there it is.
0: so it's a big story and it it is one of i think the most important stories in tech right now Uh, and it's not just related to facebook it's related to twitter it's related to basically all of the platforms that now really, truly control how media is distributed. And there was a time when fake news got distributed in email forwards. In fact, I got one from my parents last night Nice. about the 28th Amendment uh, it's like a famous email hoax. It's been around like since 1992. The 28th this, Amendment, the uh, it's about passing, uh, it's it's so close to passing, guys, and if you just forward this to 10 people, uh, oh, you know, con- then Bill Gates will give you a dollar. I mean, Bill Gates will give you a dollar, and Congress will pass a law uh, stating that uh, all no Congress can make no law that doesn't apply to themselves as Congress people, which will keep them from doing all kinds of. Snopes insane. Snopes is a mixture of truth. It's from two thousand nine. Oh yeah, but no, but the, the earliest version, yeah, I read the Snopes. It's great. By the way, Snopes, <laughs>
1: time of their lives. This is what they were made yeah. for. Like Facebook should just buy Snopes. Uh, I I need a Gmail plugin that anytime I get an email from. Somebody, namely my parents, it automatically does a Snopes search and then gives me <laughs> yes. a button to click to reply to just send back the Snopes article. Just like you got this, you got this story. Click this button to send the Snopes article back. That would be great. Actually, built into every email client, the Snopes <laughs> yeah. button. It's a big theme. Uh, and if if you look at
0: how money in the media has shifted, newspapers are unless you're the Wall Street Journal or. Well, actually, not the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal just laid a bunch of people off. If you're the New York Times, your subscriptions are going up. If you're the Washington Post, you just got bought by Jeff Bezos. This doesn't matter. So you're fine. Yeah. Jeff is going to keep you in business. Every other print newspaper and a bunch of print magazines and print companies are losing money because the audiences are online and the audiences online are coming at you through Google and Facebook. And all the profit from the media industry, has the print media industry, has moved from the print companies to Google and Facebook like it's a huge shift in money. So it's so, the tra- incoming traffic from Google and Facebook. Yeah. And they Google runs the world's biggest ad network and DFP. Facebook obviously has its own big ad server. They have better ad targeting, right? They they obviously have better ad technology than Condé Nast whatever or your local paper. So if they've taken all the money, do they do they have to take some of the responsibility to police the news? Paul, you you actually sat down Casey Newton uh, who's one of our great senior reporters. He's been on the Facebook feed forever, and you sat down with him and talk about fake news a little bit.
2: Yes, we had an excellent conversation. I would like to play it for you right now. Snopes! <laughs> Paul! Casey. How are you? Hey, I just came across uh, a story on my Facebook feed that says, you're not a technology reporter. You're actually a bear living in the woods. And it has
3: over 80,000 yeah, shares. Yeah, I
2: just shared it with all my friends. But I thought after sharing it with everybody that I would try to get to the bottom of it and see if it's really true. You
3: are not unlike many Americans, Paul.
2: Okay. So yeah, it's, it's all over. Well, <laughs> it's all over my Facebook feed <laughs> is all these stories about uh, fake news and uh, what Facebook is doing about it or not doing about it. Uh, what Google is doing about it. Um, so yeah, can you, how did this even become an issue?
3: Sure. So uh, in the aftermath of our recent uh, presidential election here in the United States, uh, an election that had a result that left a lot of people stunned, people started to ask the question, well, um, you know, why did the population seem to react uh, so much differently uh, than uh, the polls suggested that they were going to? And one uh, explanation that at least some have turned to is that in the run-up to the election, um, a huge number of uh, totally made-up stories about the candidates started to flourish uh, on two platforms in particular, one being Facebook, uh, the other being Google. Um, Facebook is a place where, at least according to uh, the the Pew Center, uh, 44% of Americans get at least some of their news. And according to an analysis that BuzzFeed did, uh, the most shared stories from the 20 biggest um, sort of fake news and so-called satire websites got way more engagement, or significantly more engagement, I should say, um, than stories shared by reputable outlets that were uh, reporting the facts. So, for example, a story that uh, falsely said that, uh, that Pope Francis had endorsed Donald Trump went crazy viral, while stories, uh, you know, suggesting that Trump uh, is a racist nightmare uh, m- maybe performed uh, less well. And so now there's a lot of soul searching going on in the media about kind of how this happened and and whether and what Facebook uh, and also Google, which of course has a a news platform of its own, uh, should do about it.
2: So, yeah, so there's this rumor that Facebook maybe had a tool that would like identify fake news, but they didn't want to deploy it Um, now. And there's also a rumor that there's like an internal rogue team that is working on something like, do do you think? What do you think about that stuff? I, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, so um... <laughs> it's all speculative. <laughs> Again, what yeah. is truth?
3: Well, uh, it's a great question. Um, Hard to answer. turns out, uh, you know, the the outlets uh, who have reported those uh, pieces of information are are pretty reputable, and and I do not uh, disbelieve them. Uh, I should also say I have not been able to independently confirm the things that they reported. I've spent the past week talking to current and former employees at Facebook, and uh, the people I've talked to there say that the company sort of... uh, does take this seriously, but it's more complicated than a lot of people seem to believe that it is, but that in any case, they have not made changes to the algorithm or rejected changes to the algorithm based on how, the, how those might affect one political party. Um, now, at the same time, it is the case that, uh, again, according to a, a different uh, BuzzFeed analysis, um, conservative-leaning sites published more totally false news than left-leaning made-up news sites. Um, And so were Facebook to take some kind of significant action to eliminate fake news from Facebook altogether or prevent it from spreading in some way, that likely would have an outsized effect on those conservative-leaning sites. And then there would be the second order effect where if you are a uh, conservative and you use Facebook and you started to feel like Facebook was not showing you uh, the kind of news and information and entertainment that you wanted to see, uh, it could break Facebook because you would just abandon the platform and um, and maybe you would go uh, start a, a kind of fair and balanced social network of your own. So if, if you're Facebook, your number one goal in all of this is to just maintain the perception of absolute neutrality on your platform and so i think whatever facebook does uh, that is going to be kind of the prime directive
2: it's interesting facebook recently had this big announcement uh, i want to say like six months ago or so yeah about changing their algorithm to disfavor clickbait headlines right does that kind of intersect with
3: this Yes, um, and it gets pretty technical, but basically, they tried two approaches to reducing clickbait uh, earlier this summer. One of those was to rely on reports from users of Facebook. So, if you saw a story that was clickbait, uh, you could report it as clickbait, and then uh, Facebook would reduce the spread of that information over time the more uh, reports like that it got. Um, and then the other approach they took was just a purely software driven machine learning approach where they looked for common keywords and phrases, like, you'll never believe what happened next. And they would sort of automatically prevent those from spreading. Um, Facebook uh, wound up going with the machine learning route, and they wound up jettisoning the kind of self-reporting mechanism. And what Facebook says is that Gizmodo's report that they built this tool and rejected it, uh, they're actually talking about that that kind of one method that Facebook had attempted to reduce uh, clickbait. Um, so again, it gets, oh. it gets really kind of complicated technical and nitty-gritty, um, you know, but Gizmodo says, look, like, the fact that they didn't wind up implementing that particular approach to reducing clickbait, um, like, has nothing to do with what we reported, which is they didn't use it because it hurt conservative leaning sites.
2: I, I guess my my big thing, it's interesting, this is so interesting to me because it's, like, it's instantly philosophical. Right. <laughs> and, and what is the difference between promoting and spreading misinformation which is obviously the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And being an arbiter of truth and a um a censor. Yeah. It, what, what, and how, where is that line? What, what is the difference?
3: Well, it is, on one hand, just uh, an incredibly frustrating subject. Look, I, I think about this a lot as a journalist, right? Um, any If you are, are a reporter, you're constantly confronted by these questions of ontology, right? How do you know what you think you know? And for me, it often comes down to, well, somebody told me, and I trust them. And I try to only talk right. to people who I trust. And when, uh, and when they lead me astray, I, I post a correction, but hopefully, over time. You know, my track record speaks to the fact that I work as hard as I can to ensure the accuracy of everything I report. There are other sites out there, though, that just don't take that as their mission. And so the question then becomes, well, should they be allowed to post on Facebook at all? And as you know, if Facebook says no, then that does become maybe a question of censorship. Um, It gets them into some pretty ugly terrain philosophically. Now, there's a flip side of that, though, which is what if rampantly spreading misinformation winds up undermining our democracy, right? Like, then will Facebook still turn around and say, well, look, we're just a neutral platform. You need to blame these bad actors, not us. Um, I suspect a great number of people are going to be turned off by that and may, in fact, abandon Facebook, right? Right. So so as much as there's a risk to Facebook kind of on the right of this perception that it is no longer a neutral platform, I think there's also kind of a risk on the left if people come to feel like Facebook is not trustworthy and Facebook does not take seriously the its power uh, as a major distributor of news.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> Normally, yeah. I feel like I have like, oh, I know what they should do. It'll be fine <laughs> if they just did my thing. Right? I have no idea. Well, look. Th- I mean, I th- wait, wait, yeah. And what's what's Google doing? How
3: are they how are
2: they doing? fake news
3: so google was sort of first out of the gate to announce something really important which is that it was going to classify some of these fake news sites and if it did classify them as a site that was sort of trying to pass off uh lies as the truth then that site was not uh going to be able to use their ad network uh, which is you know one of the main reasons that these sites exist they're profitable right google Google has like a like a database of, of true things, right? Well, in order to be featured on Google News, right, at like news.google.com, um, there's a, a sort of rigorous application process, right? And so a site like the Denver Guardian, which if you were to visit its website, looks every bit like a real news site. and is Oh, act- that's a big, yeah.
2: big problem with all of these fake... I used to
3: totally be able
2: to spot one right. instantly. Right. And now, like, I basically have to assume... If I haven't seen this site before reporting something that was reputable, I have to assume it's fake. Yes. until I, I know otherwise. Yes. Okay. Wait, is it, what's it called? The Denver, the Denver
3: Guardian. Uh, I mean, you can go hate, there. I hate and, to give them. And, um, you know, it's very savvy Denver. of them to use kind of a city name because it makes you think, oh, well, this is just some local news site I haven't heard of before. Uh, they published this viral claim that an FBI agent who had been linked to the leaking of Hillary Clinton's emails had been found dead in a murder-suicide. This was one of the most shared stories in the run-up to the election. And some people say, again, that it, it wound up increasing turnout for Donald Trump or a diminished Turn out for Hillary Clinton, right? And it looks like a, a real news website. And so what Google has said is sites like that, we're not going to allow them to use our ad network to profit. And Facebook came in pretty quickly thereafter and said, you know what, we're, we're going to do the same thing. So I mean, one thing that these, uh, you know, giant platforms can do is to just kind of make it harder for these sites to make money, which then gives them fewer incentives to do this kind of, you um, uh, lying that they've been doing for the you know past many years.
2: I'm I'm still amazed that those ad networks pop up that story about look at this child actor who died. You'll never believe it. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Like they, yeah. They, there's some of this stuff that's been persistent for a yeah. long time. But yeah, maybe maybe that'll help. Maybe Economics.
3: <laughs> yeah, but but you raise a good point, Paul, which is that this problem is, is not new, nor is it limited to Google and Facebook. There are these ad networks, uh, Taboola and Outbrain, which post the, you know, get rid of belly fat with this one weird trick style uh, headlines. Mm. And many websites, um, including perhaps some that we work for, um, use them uh, because they generate a lot of money. Mm. And uh, the, these sites will tell you all day long that they do their best to only put the very best content uh, in their network and yet you visit any single site on the web and what is in that box and it's absolute garbage, right? So this issue does go beyond uh, Google and, and Facebook and unfortunately the monetary incentives will always be to just post the most salacious misleading headline.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to keep monitoring the situation. And I I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm not like a big sharer, except yeah. for stories about you being a bear in the woods. Like <laughs> right. I, t- I typically don't feel like I I share and retweet or I guess I retweet like funny things. Yeah. Like words that people say. Yeah. But yeah, I I do think being a reporter a little bit. I'm not much of a journalist, but like it's definitely given, given made me just so skeptical. Skeptical about the truth, especially because like even if you did a profile and it, it's not even hearsay, it's just literally reporting on someone's life directly. Right. Well, you leave out ninety-five percent of the facts that you gathered during that time. So, like, are you sharing the whole truth? Right. I I'm. I'm not trying to say that all of these things are equivalent and that. Hope supports Donald Trump is the same thing as a slightly slanted story, but uh, but, but I, th-
3: but I think you're, you're you're raising a, a really great issue though, which is that one thing that every American can do, what, what every citizen of the world can do. Uh, in the aftermath of this election, no matter who you supported, is try to become a more literate consumer of news. If there is an issue out there that is important to you, you need to read more than one story about it. And you need to read more than one story from more than one outlet, right? And I'm not even talking about making sure you're reading articles from every side of the political spectrum. You can read the same article from three sites that, that align with your political worldview, but at least expose yourself to the chance that somebody got it wrong. Uh, If you want to gain a fuller understanding of what is going on in this world, you need to read more, you need to watch more, you need to ask more questions, and you need to think like a journalist and be skeptical of what you're seeing. And before you go to share it, ask yourself that question. Is it possible that I am being scammed here? And if I am, I'm not going to put this thing onto the internet.
2: You may have to click on the headline before you share it. Just (laughs) put put it out there. It's a best practice. On on that awesome rising note, I would like to thank... Casey Newton, Bear in the Woods for joining me, Paul. Uh, it's a good...
3: always a pleasure. I'm, I'm going to go hibernate now for the next four years. <laughs> All right. We'll
2: have a great, great, great nap.
3: Okay,
0: bye. Paul told me earlier that uh, the interview ended on a rousing note to be an informed consumer. That's the
2: word I was tr- looking for. Rousing, rousing, rousing. not
0: an arousing note. No, I said rising. <laughs> mm. uh, I think it's true. I actually I, uh, that fundamental issue, just be smarter. Yeah. Could, have, could have stopped a lot of things in this election cycle. and uh, One of the things I've been
1: things. talking to uh, some people on our staff about is, like, I, I graduated high school in 96. The Internet, the web in particular, was a thing, was beginning to be a thing. And, like, we would, like, have English classes where we would go online and research. And they would tell us, don't trust what you read on the Internet and give yeah. us, like, basic tools for, like... Can you trust the thing that you're reading? And what's so surreal to me about the fake news on Facebook thing is literally fifth graders are taught how to avoid this problem. And yet we have this giant institution that is used by billions of people around the world. And we're not applying fifth grade level analysis and like awareness about like whether or not a thing is true to these stories before we click the share button.
2: I was thinking about that, that like maybe it's Wikipedia's fault. It got too good. Yeah. It used to be a joke. Yeah. Can't cite Wikipedia. And then they're like, You, you well, still shouldn't cite Wikipedia. Turns out. Bring that- back in Carta. That's what I say.
0: <laughs> well, so actually, that's hilarious, first of all. <laughs> Bring back (laughs) Encarta, CD-ROM. (laughs) CD-ROM, yeah, the whole thing. We should definitely do that with great big clickable interfaces and like slidey transitions. Yeah. Bring back Encarta. Bring back Encarta. But Dieter, you always talk about like the deals, like the gatekeepers and deals, right? Like we're going to talk about Apple TV in a little bit. Yeah. The whole TV industry is made up of gatekeepers and deals. Uh, You always talk about virtual assistants. So to integrate with Alexa or Siri or Cortana or whatever, you got to make a deal with Apple or Microsoft to get access to the thing. It feels like this is the point at which Facebook being just like a wide open playground for every media organization, scrupulous or not scrupulous, is actually a net negative. And if Facebook made some deals and aggressively whitelisted things, it might be good. That is not what I usually think at all. Wow.
1: Ever. I never think Switching that. to T-Mobile, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, me, do you trust the deal right? or do you trust the algorithm, right? Like, like if you, if you trust the algorithm, you know, there was a, a thing this week where uh, the first result on uh, Google search for who won the popular vote was a fake news article. It was a lie. And theoretically, if you had asked... Google Home that question it would have gone out to the web, run its little algorithm and given you the one answer that you get out of a voice assistant because it can't give you a bunch of links and that one answer would have been a lie yeah and and so like yeah I don't know do you do you trust the deals do you do you trust The algorithm, or do you just have to like go to the website that you trust and like form that kind of bubble? Like, are we have somehow regressed in our ability to like think critically about the media that we consume because like we are flummoxed by the opacity of these algorithms and the opacity of these deals? And it's like Addy wrote a great piece about like the intermixture of news with your friends seems like one of the fundamentally problematic things here. Like, you want to go to Facebook to see stuff from your friends. It's also showing you stuff from news. And then mashing those things together has you applying, like, the part of your brain that thinks about your social circle circle to the part of your brain that thinks about news. And you just get short-circuited and you end up using the internet like a third grader instead of a fifth grader, which is like, we should be reading the internet at least at a fifth grade level, I like to think.
0: I mean, I can I can also make the death of the web argument here. I mean, this this is yeah. going to be one of the darkest first segments of the Vergecast in history. There was a time we all browsed in desktop PCs or laptops, mm-hmm. and we started either at RSS readers that we had picked ourselves from sources that we trusted, or at portals of some kind. Uh, and Gadget, when we ran in Gadget, was. Very much a first destination for people that sent them out to all kinds of other blogs that we had aggregated news from. Mm. And you could trust us. At least we'd hope that you trusted us. Now, your first stop, or the AOL, AOL.com was a huge portal. Yahoo.com was Yahoo a huge portal. was my go-to. Remember the directory? The directory. Oh, but that, yeah. that was a different time. And, yeah. But those portals were, Drudge Report still exists, a huge portal. Mm-hmm. And those, you knew there was an editorial organization behind them. Mm -hmm. Right both. I mean that in both sense of the word there was a like a group of people as an organization And then there was like a thematic organization to the to your experience on the web as you travel through the portal now People start at Facebook people start at Twitter There is no editorial organization behind either of those things there are only these opaque algorithms and there and I mean There's no again. I mean it in both sense of the word. There's no Group of people operating as a unit with one mission to like show you good things or like present true things, and there's no operating principle right. by which the thing sh- it, like Facebook's incentive is to get you to stay inside of Facebook. That's why they built instant articles. That's why they built a the video player, and it, they just want you to share more and more things, be more and more engaged. And it turns out fake news, which is designed to provoke outrage or con- like confirmation bias. Is it really good at keeping you engaged? You know, one thing I
2: really like in the current media landscape is Reddit. Yeah. Because Reddit, wrong and misleading headlines get upvoted all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't click on the headline to go to the source. Mm-hmm. You click through to the comments and look at the most upvoted comment. Yeah. And it's typically saying, this is actually false or misleading. <laughs> It is really helpful for like for science stories for like yeah. future you know like oh new battery technology it's gonna fix everything and then it's like a well actually kind of person <laughs>
0: shows Reddit, up. Reddit is an automatic well actually. And machine. even
2: even on like the more conservative parts of Reddit, uh, you know, like the the Donald has a lot of people you know show up and say uh, this is misleading. Like I f- I feel like that works better on Reddit for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the crowd if it's the mood or it's the interface but but yeah facebook doesn't doesn't promote that
0: yeah i mean I, this is going to be i think the biggest story of the year for for these companies right what what is their true responsibility and it's a, it is an incredibly difficult situation
1: i i will say well oh go ahead no i was just gonna say the the thing to unpack to like uh, if you want to get casey newton who gave that interview with paul uh real mad tell him you want to argue about whether or not facebook is a media company. Uh, because that's what everybody, everybody just wants Facebook to admit it's a media company. Um, And that's true and fair. It has repercussions if they do that, but it's like, it's almost too simple and binary of a question. Are they a media company or not? It, It, you actually have to unpack it and look at like editorial choices and are they responsible for the stuff that people post on Facebook? And is an algorithm in effect an editorial choice? And like, claiming that it's not is actually like shirking your responsibility. I, I, right? there's, like, I, I can there's make that argument in a
0: way that would probably would drive Casey even crazier because media companies come in all shapes and sizes, right? So I think the right. question of are you a media company is not one-to-one are you the New York Times or are you right. ABC News or whatever. Comcast is a media company. Comcast, another disclosure here on the Vergecast today, Comcast is an investor in Vox Media, right? Comcast, what do we know of Comcast? They are... They started as a cable company. Mm -hmm. They distribute media. They are in the media distribution business. If Comcast is your interface to television for most people, or it was for most people, you sign up for a Comcast account. They gave you a piece of technology, a piece of hardware that mediated your relationship to television, mm-hmm. right? It could record shows, it showed you a guide, it did all these things. That's how you got television. There's no way that if you know, it was the election in 1992 or whatever, and it came out that 1% of the television on Comcast was just blatant lies about political parties, we wouldn't be having this, con- Comcast wouldn't be out there saying, oh, well, we're just a technology company. They, they bear some responsibility for the things on their distribution network. Facebook is a media distribution company. They distribute media, whether that media is made by their users and it's pictures of your family, whether that media is made by news organizations, whether that media is made by whatever. Zuckerberg's comment: ninety nine percent of the things on Facebook are true. Well, one percent of them are false. But this, I mean, this that's is that's a crazy. This for is any a classic company.
2: internet thing where. Platforms do not want to be responsible for the content right. posted by their users,
0: and if they take some responsibility, they get into a really legally murky territory,
2: and it's a lot of work. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, a classic internet stance and and way of being that it's not our fault for what people put on
0: right the internet. But then they take it; they take credit when you know Twitter leads to a revolution or Twitter leads an activist movement. They're so pr- they're proud. They're proud of the good outcomes, and they say the bad outcomes don't matter. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I really, I really, I really. I, really you're not, I don't think you're supposed to know.
2: Two two small things. One, this might be the story of the year for, I, I don't know if people have seen, but there's, a, I think it's a Forbes feature. I forget who did this. Two side-by-side streams. Wall Street Journal. Is that Wall Street Journal? Yeah two side-by-side streams. One is left-leaning, one is right-leaning or whatever. And, and they're so polar opposite. It's, it's incredible. I would say the left-leaning stream is getting that stream of stories about how this election is Facebook and Google's fault. I would say the right-leaning stream is getting stories about how CNN colluded with the Hillary campaign and fed her the questions <laughs> from the debates. Like the the the, the right-leaning Stream is not up in arms about Facebook's algorithm. Maybe they should be, or lack of filter for fake news. They're up in arms about media elites, as yeah. they're called, or the the gatekeepers. This, you know, this great us concept. It's, they're, us. they're mad about us. They're mad about us, yeah. and they're mad about the Times being selective with what they cover, even if they're not outright lying, hiding negative stories, mm-hmm. and promoting other stories. It's. I, I think that's. The, what the right is is focused on right now. The conservatives are focused on that part of this yeah. media story. I don't think this fake news story is is making a dent in that right feed. Yeah, everybody needs to look at this left or right feed because yeah. it, it is amazing. It really crystallizes this whole thing for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it a bunch of the population doesn't know or doesn't care, or they're focused on another part of the media equation that they don't think is right. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's a net negative if the biggest distributor of media that exists on the internet is openly admitting that 1% of the things that it distributes are fake. Hmm. Because that 1% is going to make you think someone is lying to you, or the establishment liberal elite media is hiding stories because you don't see them, you don't see the lie. Like If you're not unable to differentiate between lies and the truth, and you see a bunch of wee, crazy lies like hmm. Hillary murdered an FBI agent. You're like, why isn't the New York Times covering this? Why isn't this everywhere? I just think there's a larger you, you, you danger. You just end up in
2: this zone. The, there's a larger danger of having a company like Facebook being in charge of what's true and what's false than there is a danger of people lying to each other
0: on an open platform. Uh, I, I think it's just all about mediating that danger. Like, I don't necessarily want Facebook to read every post I write. You know, a thing that we do is cover Facebook. Hmm. What if Facebook decides that every post we write about Facebook is a lie? <laughs> It's <laughs> that's, that's maniacal. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough. That, that's why I think it's the biggest story for these companies, right? Not the biggest story for their relationship with consumers or their products or their rise and but fall of the industry. It's it's existential. It's what is their responsibility? Okay. They got it. They did it. They're not hackers who dropped out of Harvard anymore. Mm-hmm. They are the most powerful media executives in the world. Right. Even if they don't want to admit they're a media company. What, what do they owe their society? Yes. That's a good summary. All right. Do you want to talk about Lenovo Cloud Storage Solutions? Absolutely. Let's read this ad. Look, Uh, let me uh, tell you something, Paul. Yeah. The cloud sounds magical. It does. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still just data stored on servers. Yeah. It's estimated the cloud, which is just servers, Mm -hmm. mind you, holds four exabytes of data equal to the storage capacity of six million average laptops. By 2020, if we last that long, experts expect the cloud to hold 40 zettabytes of data, or the storage equivalent of 80 billion average laptops. Most of that data is stored on nearly 5.5 million servers, operated by just 16 companies. But the cloud, again, not an adjective servers, isn't just a place to store stuff. In fact, business increasingly relies on the cloud for expandable computing power. Imagine, if you will, that you have guests coming over, but you only have one bedroom. Not actually that difficult to imagine. What? What if you could order an extra bedroom for your guests that you could just remove after they leave? This metaphor is very difficult, but just go with it. Got no, I absolutely have it. That idea is behind Lenovo's next generation data centers built for cloud computing. They just bring you a bedroom and then take it away. See, the cloud is all about giving your company the ability. You expand and contract server capacity on demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo understands that on demand access can give your company a tremendous competitive advantage. The faster you can scale up, the faster your development team can test your applications, and that means you can get new product features under the market faster. But that kind of flexibility is worthless if your servers are down. Lenovo servers number one in reliability and performance, because you don't have time for downtime. I added that little click that's not in the script. Okay. You don't have time for oh, downtime. Oh, but the line. It's a good line. Good. Anyway, are you feeling handcuffed by proprietary hardware software relationships? Lenovo systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Lenovo systems can even integrate with legacy software platforms to help you get your cloud solution up and running quickly. So learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com slash data center. Let's talk about some stuff. A bunch of Apple stuff happened this week. You want to talk about the Touch Bar review, Dieter? We did the MacBook Pro with uh, the Touch Bar. And we did. There's a uh,
1: crazy coffee table book they did. Oh, my god, a coffee table book. So Jake and Walt both uh, reviewed the the touch bar version of the MacBook Pro and the takeaway seems to be not changing the future of computing. Yeah. Just uh the it's basically like if you close your eyes and imagined a touch bar review where the touch bar was like, "Man, eh, fine. That's what these reviews were. Like dongle life is ha- is a hassle. The touch bar is sometimes confusing when it tries to do too much. When it tries to act like a, just a simple function You know, button bar, it does fine. There are a few moments of like, oh, hey, this is really cool. But, you know, the hardware is beautiful. The screen is gorgeous. The speakers are really loud. Yeah. So, like, the touch bar is useful when it acts like a a regular set of function buttons. But when it tries to do too much or get too cute, it uh, gets really confusing really quickly. The thing that you might not expect uh, is. Apple didn't do the thing that Apple usually does with laptops. So the things that Apple usually does with laptops is make beautiful screen, decent keyboards, uh, incredibly good build quality. It's light. It's thin. They did all that. But battery life battery. is a little yes. hit and miss. Yeah. It's like Which, not great. I thought we were making all these
2: sacrifices so that they could give us another winner on battery.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 all over the map. So like Jake tested it across two different lap two different thirteen inch laptops and a fifteen inch they and Apple tested was I think so thirteen inch.
0: Concerned about his first test, they sent him a second one.
1: Right. Uh, Now the battery life on the non Touch Bar version, the boring one, is like fine. It's exactly what you'd expect, and it turns out the internals are like radically different between those two devices, uh, which is interesting. Um, Also, speaking of the internals, the uh, speaker grill on the Touch Bar is like mostly for show. Most of the sound comes out the air vents on the sides. Um, What are we doing, kids? But yeah, it's like it's just it's super inconsistent. You are not going to know what your battery life is going to be, and you can't trust it. Uh, in our testing at least, to hit Apple's claimed uh, 10 hours, um, even if you're not doing crazy stuff. And that's not even getting into all the kvetching about the, uh, you know, sixth generation processor and the, the hard cap of 16 gigs of RAM, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which you could get into. I'm like, I'm of two minds on that debate, but mostly I sort of land on it would have made it 5 to 10% faster if they had managed to get it in there at the cost of like further delays or it's like untested processors and the processors aren't even available yet. So I kind of am willing to give Apple the benefit of the doubt that they made the right choices on the processors. Although I do think it's aggravating that it caps out at 16 gigs of RAM. But overall, the general sentiment, I've just been, I'm just owning this whole conversation. Overall, the general sentiment out there is like, Eh. Yeah. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. I haven't ordered one yet. Um,
0: I desperately need a new computer. I mostly need a computer because I got new Verge stickers and new rack stickers. And you put on something. Oh
2: man! Yep. What am I going to do? What a hard, I mean,
1: hard life. The, the, it's did you hard. talk about the? Did you talk about the last sentence in Walt's review? No. The last sentence in Walt's review is: If you need a new laptop and you love Max, this is what Apple is offering. Take it or leave it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. Like, not, 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 not thumbs up. Not thumbs down. Not a review score. <laughs> like, Walt's take on this thing: is take it or leave it. And like that's so, well, that's exactly right.
2: It's like sitting down for dinner when your mom cooks. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: You you don't get to
2: make decisions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Here's the big question. Here's the cars. only question I have. How, uh, P- Paul? Do you know when KB Lake quad cores are coming? Is there any? No idea. No idea. I mean, I think they should be. If they rev really them close. instantly, this is the thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. people will be. So How mad. fast
0: are they going to rev them to that next gen of process? It's got
2: to be a six month minimum wait. I so can like... I can I hold out another six
0: months? uh okay, will well, I, look... can I get more? It's going to be a year.
1: It's, it's gonna, a year. it's There's no way they're going to rev them right away. Like I. Uh, unless they're unless Apple is like legitimately freaking out over people's reaction to this thing, they're not going to rev them instantly. Well, they're they, like they are insistent that
0: they're selling tons of them.
1: Yeah, um, they do say that. Well, that's the thing. Like they are, I believe them. Like I believe they're selling tons of them because it's a really, really, really good MacBook Air. Yeah. Like, the MacBook Pro is a r- incredibly good MacBook Air. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's clear that it's a good MacBook Pro. All right, I'm going to get one fine <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm just gonna, not but are you are like to the these, touch bar that's it the looks thing, like, like these
2: processes are out the quad core They're just lake? not being used now if they were out they would put them in the machine right uh the specter the specter uses them hmm. intel says there'll be over 100 different slim computers with KB lake chips by the end of the year i don't know man specter xps 13 the swift acer swift quad core or dual core
0: oh. their their reasoning was they couldn't is, do it, it. it quad core those are all quad core I don't know. You're saying that they-, they... said they couldn't do it. Apple couldn't put Kaby Lake in the MacBook Pro because there was no quad-core chip for the top configuration. So I bet there's a bunch of dual-core Kaby Lakes out there. It's unclear why they didn't just... I mean, I get it, right? You don't want to have two different architectures floating around. But It's unclear why they didn't put dual-core Kaby Lakes in all the mid-spec ones and then right. wait on the quad-core one. I mean, that's a thing they could have done. They could have released a bunch of... Dual core mid level ones, and said the pro one, the top of the line KB Lake quad core coming in X months, that would shipping be, right. They could have just that done would that. be nice, right? It's but, the chip isn't but, ready yet, but we're gonna sell this computer. That would be a kind, but
1: that would that would mean trusting intel not to screw up its latest and greatest processor Wait, but, and they've had some
0: problems. yeah but then at least apple but all these people are freaking out are going to be pointing at intel not at apple right and that yeah they just their messaging around all this stuff is confused so actually that weirdly enough transitions me into this coffee table book <laughs> What's Let it called? T- it's called Designed by Apple and Cupertino. Okay. So Apple put out a 300 in California. Ca- or, yeah, in California. Nice. Um, Designed by Apple and ca- California. We have it. Um, we have the little one. It's two sizes, of course. Of course. Uh, there's Hubris and Hubris XL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a beautiful book. We have it. We have the $300. We have the small one, which is enormous. Mm. I promise you, you do not need to buy the bigger one. It's still huge. It's very heavy. It's printed on the nicest paper I've ever seen. Apple, of course, made their own paper. (laughs) There's an interview with Johnny Ive in Wallpaper Magazine. He's like, you know that we made our own paper. We developed our own printing thing. It's an actually."
1: Tyler, you on our video team made a joke about, of course, I bet you Apple uses their own paper. And I had to, like, walk over to him and, like, tell him that his joke was correct, that they had, in <laughs> fact, made their own paper.
0: <laughs> it uses, you know, um, most printing is, like, four color. This uses eight color CMYK. I mean, it is beautiful. Like, the pictures of the neon colored Apple products in here, mm. like the super bright iPods. There's a picture of the iPod socks. It's all just... In, it's so vibrant. The blacks are the blackest blacks I've ever seen. There are virtually no words in this book except for an intro by Johnny Ive. I forgot about the iPod socks. Is there a picture of the Magic Mouse charging? Uh, there's not a picture <laughs> of the Magic Mouse charging. There's is all it, these cool doesn't photos. does it end with the pencil? It the last page is the pencil which is just is a picture of a stylus. Is it plugged in? It's not plugged in. Uh, there's all these cool pictures of like the tools they use to like carve the chamfer on the iPhone and like mm-hmm. carve out the inside it, it's neat mm-hmm. but I just Apple the fact that Apple themselves made it and like not it, it's just the most I don't mind 30 years inward whatever looking, that's fine they could do it it's not 30 years it starts with the iMac there's nothing before
1: the, the first thing in it is the, the five color iMacs not even which the Bondi Blue like, iMac yeah but which is nuts like how do you not talk about Apple design how do you talk about Apple design and not talk about the original Mac
2: yeah I don't know it's very confusing. Yes, maybe that's just been covered some It just starts with the iMac.
0: It's, no, it's but all not Johnny Ive the, stuff, Not the original right? iMac. It starts oh. after the original iMac. It starts with the five colors. Oh, not the Bondi? Not the Bondi. <laughs> I, so uh, here's my theory. It is completely unverified. I have no idea if it's true. I think Johnny Ive was like, you know what? I've done all I can do. Here's a pencil. I'm, I'm fading out, and I want to put out a book of my stuff.
2: I have no idea if that's true.
0: Zero idea if that's true.
2: Well, this is like when you put
0: out a Greatest Hits... It
2: means you're...
0: Yeah, so James Barham, our great creative director, wrote a post about it, and he his note was, A, he's a photography nerd, and he's like, these are beautiful photos. Right. He loves the printing. You should read it's great. And he pointed out that the excitement he felt looking through those, like the first three quarters of the book... Remember the lamp iMac? The lamp iMac. There's a great oh, picture man. of the lamp iMac with the wires, like how the hinge works. Like, it's neat. He's like, the excitement I felt in that section of the book... Mm-hmm. started to fade as I came into new Apple products. Because everything's designed now. Everything's super designed now.
2: Back in the day, I loved his post after you yeah. pointed it out. Um, yeah, when they Apple started out, they were raging against the, the beige box. Mm-hmm. And that
0: there's no beige box to ra- rage against. Yeah. Even gaming PCs are crazy designed. <laughs> I mean, they, they look like dragons that will kill you. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're the crazy. Let's
2: not say designed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the most user-friendly dragon ever created.
2: I literally, I bought the, a case for my own PC that I built, mm-hmm. and a, among a shelf that probably had 50 to maybe 100 different desktop cases, I found one minimal one. Yeah.
0: I bought the minimal one. Nice. <laughs> Everything else was great. I, it's just a weird moment for Apple. Yeah. I just, I really, I this book on top of the MacBook Pro on top of, just a bunch of things they've put out in the world that haven't come to fruition, it just makes it It's a great book. I I get why you put it out now. It's the holidays. If you have an Apple nerd in your life, you feel like spending $300 on the finest custom paper, they'll be happy with you. I get it, but it's just weird that the $300 you should spend at the Apple store for the biggest Apple nerd in your life is not a technology product. It's a book of old technology products. It's not the, like, so Apple TV, Apple TV, they, they put out the, here's another transit. They put out the Apple TV. They can't get any of the cable companies to sign on to their guide service. They can't so,
1: even make their guide service. The Apple TV app, the home of the Apple TV. Right. It's Cause no one's signing up on top for it. Of it. Right. Um,
0: they can't get Netflix to be in it yet. It sounds like they're going to figure out Netflix sooner or later. It's just a product that they released that it hasn't yet come to fruition. And I wouldn't say it's the best designed or best working television product, because almost every television product is flawed in some ways. But Apple's product is flawed in the fundamental way of not having that much television. Like, they, they can't get through it. The watch, Well, they've got,
1: they've got PlayStation View now.
0: So that's a, <laughs> they have Sling. So you can watch yeah. TV on the Apple TV, but not from one of Apple's TV services. Right. right? You can go to some, someone else's TV service, which is crazy town. I, can I make a confession here? Yeah. And maybe the
2: police will just come knocking on my door. I hope they do. I stole live television the other day. How? Because I wanted to watch a football game. Oh, yeah. Um, Seahawks, Patriots. I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm a Game Pass subscriber. So after the games, I get to watch them. But I don't have an antenna. I don't have cable or anything like that. And I found this thing that it's like, it's great technology. It uses like some torrent style peer-to-peer technology to live stream something from like Sky Sports rebroadcasting NBC or whatever. Perfect 1080p, great frame rate, like very few glitches. It just worked. And it was Beautiful, and it 's like oh that 's right, I forgot that the best media experience is always stealing <laughs> yeah that 's <the> right, <laughs> because then I like watched all the other games that I cared about this week on Game Pass, and Game Pass is like some weird low resolution it 's like better if you Chromecast it from your phone, yep. sometimes it doesn 't work, but like their browser player is like garbage and blocky, and yeah, it was just oh, it was just so sad, I was like, ma'am. That
0: time when I was stealing. Yeah, stealing's great. So nice. (laughs) This is a motto. Stealing's great. (laughs) No, Dieter and I, Dieter, at the end of this, we're going to have a PS4 Pro because I think Dieter just wants to admonish everyone to buy one, but (laughs) Dieter and I both have Sunday ticket subscriptions. Mm -hmm. The Sunday ticket is, their app is wildly inconsistent on every platform. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's completely different. yeah, I use it over a Chromecast because I find that that works best. The Apple TV one—it literally makes it impossible to figure out how to get into full screen. Yeah, do you know you get in full screen on the Apple TV Sunday Ticket app? Whisper. Yeah, you just yell at it, Siri, please. You just beg it. Sorry, come on, come on, Siri. Uh, no, you pe- you press the pause button oh. on the remote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but then I get a text from Dieter this week. He's like, another reason to buy a PS4 Pro. Sunday ticket app is the best on the PS4. It's oh. just crazy town. Stealing. Let's all go back to stealing. Let's go back to stealing. Is it, I mean, I'm the lawyer, but I'm just asking is it legal if I pay for Sunday ticket and just steal it anyway?
2: I know that's, that's always the vibe. <laughs> I, that's vibe I have.
0: <laughs> I pay for Game Pass, Anyhow, I deserve it. I'm going to read this ad and then we're going to talk about the Surface Studio, which Tom reviewed, and we should talk about that PS4 Pro stuff. And I've got a weekly segment. Oh, you got a weekly segment. So I'll do this, that, and then the other oh. thing. This advertisement right here mm-hmm. with a company called Eero. The single router model just doesn't work for our increasingly high bandwidth world. It's simple physics, like light waves, Wi-Fi waves don't just go through walls well. Imagine asking a light bulb in your living room to light your master bedroom. Just imagine it, Paul. A lot of crazy metaphors in the ads this week. What you need is a distributed system. That's what offices have had for years, at considerable work and expense. But with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. Just download the Eero app on your iOS and Android device, it'll walk you through each step of the process. It's quick, easily, and painless. Current Wi-Fi routers are really tough to manage and optimize. The Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand, so you know how many devices are connected at any given point, as well as the internet speed that you're getting from your service provider. You can also easily create and share a guest network. Eero comes with more memory and power than currently needed to zap Wi-Fi to every corner of your home, which makes it possible for the company to add features and improve performance over time just by pushing an update from the cloud. These updates come overnight when you're not using your system. Actually, Eero in the news put out Eero 2.0, which now has true mesh. That's what they're calling it. They've updated their Wi-Fi. Claim it's twice as fast. Twice as fast, their topology of the thing. There's a new app that lets you manage devices better. It's all, it's all happening. Eero is protected with state-of-the-art WPA2 encryption, and because it controls the hardware and the software for the entire network, it ensures you're always secure. Traditional routers don't push software updates to their customers, so they're left vulnerable to cyber attacks. Eero updates automatically, so you not only have the latest features, but the latest security at all times. And they've got really great customer support. They've really invested in it. You can get a hold of the Wi-Fi experts within 30 seconds. If you have any worries about your other connected devices during setups, one of those experts can walk you through everything. They can also help you if you're not sure how many Eeros are right for your home. Just call. The answer, I'm sure, is one additional euro. <laughs> sounds right. So I'll just be super transparent. I have euro at my house. I think it's great. That sounds like you're saying euro. Euro. I, we, we Also, my house is in Europe, and we pay for everything <laughs> euros. No, I have three euros. They're great. I love them. I, I, like It's neat to like look at the network on my phone. This has been me talking about the euros that I have. It's weird. We don't usually do this with ads, <laughs> but I, I own this product, and I like it. There you go. You uh, can I... get free overnight shipping if you visit euro.com and check out. You select overnight shipping and then enter the code VERGECAST. To make that shipping free. That's pretty great. Go to Eero.com, buy some Eero, select overnight shipping, enter the code VergeCast.
2: I tried to update the firmware of my router the yeah. other day. And it, you like download a zip file. Ooh. And then you upload it to your router, and then you just pray it doesn't break it. <laughs> yeah. I mean and that's my That's some, true with my that's some like
1: Android ROM shit right there. Yeah,
2: it was right? it's like it felt like hacking. I didn't I didn't go through with it.
0: Alright, so let's wrap up on a couple things. Yeah. Tom reviewed the Surface Studio and he made an all your base belong to us joke in the headline. Really? Which really just slipped by us there, Tom. <laughs>
1: sneaky, sneaky <laughs> Tom. <laughs> I don't know if he made it. Uh, okay, fine. That's that, a beautiful yeah. invader of Apple's base? Come on. That's not an all your base belong to us. Mmm. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) he likes it it's really good it's it's wildly expensive but it it seems like it's bar none the best monitor you can get uh it just happens to be attached to a computer that like the macbook pro is kind of so so is this
0: just the state of the the world right now yes like all the innovation is in mobile processors that we never use for their full potential and then everyone is stuck with like middling desktop processors yeah well (laughs) what are you gonna do with that that i've I've been telling everybody Friggin
2: Moore's Law is dead. <laughs> and people are in denial and yeah. they pretend like it's not dead in this thing and this thing and this thing. But yeah, you can make a ton more cores, but software doesn't necessarily use, not all things are parallel or yeah.
0: parallel la- parallelizable. That's the uh, Paul Miller story. Not all things are parallel. Parallelable. <laughs> parallel It's a great book. And, uh, it's Paul's a, progress. It's a,
2: real, it's a real problem. Yeah, they just can't, I don't know. At first, I just feel
0: like everybody's in denial, but he likes it. Yeah, and he, the dial is a cool thing Would you he brought in it a called... he
1: brought in a graphic artist to like try it out with him And there's like beautiful pictures of Tom that he drew We've got a great video an amazing video that you should definitely look at like video Team has been on point with these review Videos lately it seems like it's legit fun to use.
0: Yeah I mean, that's the thing like phones became rectangles, right? The Remember, this show used to be about phone design. Like, mm. Every week, we'd be like, look at this. This phone has flames on the hood. Like, it was crazy. And now they're all kind of the same oh, well, how good black key- rectangle. Keyboards were. Yeah. It, but PC innovation's like having a Would of you,
2: this dial, I can't tell if it would really bother me. Like, I feel like, like, I don't even like touch screens. I feel like it bothers me to put anything on my screen. Obviously, if you're drawing on your screen, you're already kind of interacting with your screen. But would you want to put a
0: dial on your screen? I don't think yeah, it's about so like putting it on like the screen so much as when you put it down, it's your entire work surface. So it's so it's just another control, it's just another on your thing. work surface. And know. but because it's your work surface, is the computer it like like can just show the, you contextual I, information?
2: Th- think about like that little iTunes modal. It'll float over all other things. I guess that's not really a problem anymore. There used to yeah. be like yeah, music
0: player that. apps that would float over yeah, everything. And, they would, and you would just have like crazy visualizers in the corner of your screen at all times. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I think the it. idea is that when you put it down, your whole world becomes that surface. Right. So it's not like there's a screen and then you've got all these controls. It's You're down, and so now you've got like a knob to like really turn up the saturation <laughs> But, like, (laughs) Tom points this out, like, there's not a lot of apps that support it yet. And to get that support, it's the same thing as the Touch Bar or 3D Touch or whatever. Hmm. It's like they've got a little chicken and egg problem. Not everybody has this thing. So why would you make your app support it? And if you are supporting it... Would you rather have Touch Bar or Surface Dial? Dial. Hands down the dial.
1: Dieter? Well, hmm. I mean... I think probably the touch bar, because I would just use it more. This is a tough
0: one. Ooh, yeah, the theater, we just broke Dieter. You just went into like Westworld mode. I don't, I don't no, know. No, <laughs> no <just> I, like... <laughs> I got,
1: I've gotten literally six phone calls during this podcast. I'm really popular. I'm going to have to put my phone on airplane mode in a minute. Yeah, I, I want to say the dial is cooler, and I'd want the dial, but I also use laptops. Yeah. So yeah. I like, like build a dial into a laptop. I don't know. That would be weird.
0: Can I tell a story about Dieter and I? Attending a briefing together. Please. So we go to the MacBook event. We're sitting down with you know the Apple executives are showing us the thing after the event, and they're <laughs> Dieter's like trying to have a very serious conversation, and I just kept DJing like a maniac with a touch <laughs> bar. <laughs> it was super fun. <laughs> and I was like, I'm beat matching. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like this is great. And the Apple executives, they're like trying to not be annoyed. Dieter's oh. just openly annoyed, and they keep seeing things like. See how useful it is and how great it is and I was like I'm playing four Justin Bieber songs at the same time. <laughs> and finally they like, like that's enough and they're like the touch are super useful. <laughs> oh. It's a real moment for us. Wow. <laughs> but so far, that's the only thing I've enjoyed doing on the Touch Bar. Dial. It's dial for sure. All right. Who doesn't want a big old you know, knob to like turn? I always tactile. want a jog wheel on my desk. What are you going to do with it? Remember when every Sony product had a jog wheel? That was Yes. The, that, was their, that was their only idea. I'm going to scrub, Dieter. I'm going to scrub. They're like, a cell phone? What if we put a wheel on that cell phone? <laughs> I just, I would love to be at the meeting, the Sony meeting, where they're like, every product will have a jog wheel from now on. Fine. It doesn't matter. Whatever it does is fine.
1: I was at a meeting that I, uh, with a tech company that shall not be named, and the executive was making a point. He's like, remember, remember, you know, the, the history of smartphones? You kind of start with the razor. And I literally like stood up. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about the Scion. It really matters. <laughs>
0: The well, razor's not even a smartphone.
2: I yeah. know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Wow, Paul, you want to do your segment? Every yeah. week,
2: Paul does a segment. Yeah, it's called "Rally Around the Family."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that you're about to talk about a pocket full of shells.
2: No, this is uh, this bread basket will charge your phone while you overload on carbs. That's good. It's a it's a bread basket. Oh yeah, it's literally. A basket designed for holding bread. Yeah, and then below at the base of the bread basket is a charger. Hmm. It's like like USB plugs hmm. for charging ch- charging USB devices. And the, my favorite thing about this is that the PR kind of implies that when you plug your phone into the bread basket to charge. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> By the way, this is like a prototype made by of si- course. Sister Schubert, Why and not? probably it's... not for mass distribution. Yeah. It kind of implies that when you plug your phone into the bread basket, that your phone's energy is what's keeping the bread warm, because the basket also warms the bread.
0: That's not right. That's not how the energy should flow. Wait, do you put your phone in the basket? It's called the Basket of Warmth. Uses the
2: very electronic devices that create distractions at dinner time to keep freshly so baked there, so there's sister the Schubert's dinner
0: wait, rolls warm. So there's like a USB shelf, and
1: then there's a shelf for the phones to go on. No, the phones just stay on the table. <laughs> maybe <laughs> so. plugging the phone in turns on the heater, or maybe it's got a uh, maybe. It, maybe maybe the bread basket is built with discarded Galaxy Note Seven batteries.
0: See, that's right. There you go. That's that was going there. There
1: you go. Yeah. By the way, on a plane uh,
0: this week, coming back from uh, a wedding, flight people came on. All Galaxy Note devices are banned from flight. Mm. Straight up, all of them. Old ones, new ones, right, future ones. We're super. done. Yeah, it's over. They're never putting out another Note. Yeah. All, all Galaxy
1: Note devices. What about the S Note? It- S <laughs> Note. Dude, uh, do you want to talk about ps4 pro and then we are running so far over i will just say i can't believe i didn't buy a playstation before now uh but it turns out that 4k and hdr is buggy and it doesn't work with a bunch of tvs and we need to wait for, for a more update but oh my god why did i stick around with the xbox for as long as i did wow. i was a complete idiot remote play is amazing it even works on my dinky 12 inch macbook really? keep an eye for those firmware issues if you have a 4k HDR TV, for it to get cleaned up, and as soon as it does, spend all of your money on a PlayStation yeah. 4 because I love it. I'm mean, wow.
0: i I'm, I'm ready for a full upgrade. That was a weird one, when a score in
2: that review... Yeah. I don't do a lot of reviews, so I'm really insecure about reviewing things. <laughs> but scoring that review is like, I think it's really great. Yeah, But it's weird to give things like big numbers. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> it's like a Sony PlayStation product. It's a regular thing you can buy at a GameStop. You can't give it like... Why not? I so don't know. my it's Xbox
1: One S can sit in my cabinet and with the cabinet door closed and not overheat. Mm-hmm. PlayStation Four, absolutely not. I had to set yeah. it behind my TV because it just got way. It like it was going to burn my apartment down. Mm-hmm. So there's that.
0: I'm ready. Yeah, I, there's a story today. Uh, Best Buy stock is rallying because all kinds of people are buying home theater stuff again. Oh really? I, I'm hey. ready. I'm ready to throw it all out and start again. Didn't you just buy like a, a TV? Like a big up- uh, like two years ago. I mean, that for no, me, that's wait, like a wait, long time. No, you tweeted ago. like last
2: month that you bought a TV. It was like no,
0: No, no, I bought a garbage TV for like our weekend place. He, he bought us
2: oh.
1: outside TV. <laughs> oh, oh.
2: I bought a TV for oh, outside. You didn't buy a TV. You <laughs> bought another TV for another home. Yes. I bought it. I bought. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's like, that's like My on bad. Side.
0: That's like I didn't eat dinner. I had a snack. I had a little TV <laughs> snack. All right. But did you eat yet? No, I haven't eaten yet. All right, I had some nuts and some cheese, okay. <laughs> but I'm about to uh, go eat the steakhouse. All right. All
1: right. Neil, I know you think you want a TV, but I'm, I'm just going to... I'm just going to remind you that there's no more plasma TVs and the world is better off for it. And you're going to be so angry and depressed that I just said that phrase that you're going to, it'll put you off the whole idea of buying a TV.
0: No, I want an OLED, man. I'm, yeah, I'm all in. Uh, I got a friend uh, with an OLED. I keep on looking at it. And I keep yeah.
1: on trying to walk out of his house with it, but it's really big. <laughs>
2: OLED is the first like TV demo at Best Buy in years. That's been
0: like, whoa. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's those TVs. And there's those TVs. Yeah, but what about my garbage-curved Samsung, huh? That thing's great. See, that's a little snack TV. <laughs> what if I let... What if, do I want to try it? It's like an amuse-bouche. How much do you use no, I don't know. I, don't I spent $475. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, I, it's literally it for watching football outside. I agree. I agree. You did a good job. You should come visit. I would love to. It has an operating system mm. for some reason, because <laughs> that's what you want. Every now and again, just prompts you to update it. Mm. Unclear what features I am receiving or why... You know, I I looked it into this a a built-in virus scanner. I'm not shitting you.
2: Most of these TVs run Linux yeah. of some some form. Some of them run WebOS. Uh, <laughs> there are like hardly any TVs that are jailbroken or you know like Right, cuz they all like have unlocked. different
0: slightly different builds. There's no one TV to target. Right. You can't just put an operating system on them. Yeah, but why? Why? It just be a screen, man.
2: They're all computers, especially the 4K ones. They've got enough power to upscale 1080P
0: to 4K. Like they're yeah. they're computers. Actually, slightly more powerful than MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a better GPU than MacBook. Pro. Anyway, that's a hard MacBook Pro burn. Anyway, I'm gonna read one more ad. We're gonna get out of here. This episode of VergeCast brought to you by Squarespace. What a surprise. When you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, professional blog, online store, all of it's part of your Squarespace website. It's easy. You can create a website with Squarespace in a simple, intuitive process. You add and arrange your content features, just a click of a mouse, tap of a pad, however you select things with your computing device, you can do that with Squarespace very easily. You get a free custom domain. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you receive a free custom domain for free for a year. Look at that. Simple. There's beautiful templates. It's on a best-in-class online store of Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. And there's great commerce tools. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. There's also great customer support. They offer 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in Squarespace office, no matter how technical your problem or trivial-seeming your question, one of the team is always online to assist you. So, start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code VERGE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart.
1: That's our show. Did anything else to talk about? There's so much more, but we're going we're gonna to go away. We're going to go away.
0: Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the NES Classic. Paul, do, give me two thoughts about the NES Classic. You can't have one. <laughs> They did a great job. Thought number
2: two that I feel like everybody's forgetting is that NES games are hard, and
0: you'll be sad if you try to play them. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I had one of those like 50-in-1 pirate NES cartridges. Did you ever know that these? Know. These yeah. are great. There's a, a, there's a street in Chicago mm-hmm. called Devon. It's where all the Indian shops are, were, and there was a pirate electronics store on Devon Street, so my parents would make me go there to buy, like, Indian groceries and Mm -hmm. textiles, whatever parents do. I don't know, I was like eight. Mm -hmm. And I would go to the pirate electronics store where you could buy the PAL to NTSC converter VCR and all this crazy stuff. And it was like this thing that I always wanted. It cost like $80. It was like way out of my league. And it was 50 NES games pirated onto a single cartridge. Uh, I knew there was a lot of like unauthorized cartridges back in the day, but... Yeah. And so after sufficient years of begging... Parents like got me this cartridge. You got it? Got it. Uh, it. And I had all the NES games and they were all so hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's all I could think about when I think of this thing. Yeah. Man, but it, was, I, it was like a
0: prize.
1: I got so mad at Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden 2, actually. I, I like broke our entertainment center. I like chucked a Nintendo controller and literally like <laughs> dented shit all the time. I was a controller chucker. The yeah. other Nintendo thing I just have to point out is um, yeah. there's a company making a uh, Legend of Zelda escape the room, which is basically you and six other people go in a place what? and then you solve Zelda puzzles in real life. Do you actually like, push yeah. boulders around? Participants work oh, in teams of six to solve a mystery in a huge area all within a time set limit. Set time huge limit. Huge area means definitely boulders. Yeah. There's going to be I Gorons, mean. Zoras, and Kokiris. This is going to be I, amazing. Does anyone get to
0: fire a bow and arrow? <laughs> I hope so. Do you have to be good
1: at the flute? Dude, I'm getting a hook shot. <laughs> groups, I'm getting a hook shot, and I'm going to just
0: flying around that room. Cannot wait. Well, that sounds like a video that we should make. Yeah. Noted. Brush up on your flute skills. Yeah, it's luck in time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's our show. Thank you for sticking with us, and it's a crazy one. Follow us. Paul is at Future Paul on Twitter. I'm at Reckless Dieters at Backlon. You can follow The Verge on Twitter, on Snapchat, Instagram. Instagram blown up for The Verge, biggest tech brand on Instagram. Do you know that? We that are. Out. Yeah, biggest one. Yeah, good for us. Uh, so keep doing that. Casey uh, Newton at Casey Newton. Casey Newton at Casey Newton. Uh, we're gonna have. I'm just, buckle up. We're going to have a lot more about Facebook and policy and all this stuff as this administration comes in. That's where we live. That's who we are. We are, in fact, The Verge. Mm. Anyway, also go to iTunes. Check out our other podcasts. Ashley Carmen actually hosted What's Tech this week, talking about Snapchat Spectacles. It's a fun episode. Brian Bishop was on it. He actually has them. He tried them on. That's also a great video. Brian's really good in that video. I host control out delete with Walt. We also talked about the MacBook. If you want to get into that this week, it was a pretty fun episode. Lauren Good, who many of you know, hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode side. Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka, host of Recode Media, which is a really fun on this week. It's uh, this music blogger, old school music blogger named Bob Left Sets. And our minute 23 just burns Farhad Manju to the ground, which is cool. a choice. Anyway, that's it. That's our show. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul.
3: Parallelable.